Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Time now for the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. It's the nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. NHL playoffs getting underway. We'll keep you updated on Blue Jackets Bruins throughout the night. Lots of Bills talk planned. Nate Geary is going to join me at 7.30 on the Western Hotline. Um, I got a Twitter poll out, Ed to Sneaky Joe WGR on Twitter. You can hit us up on the text line, 550-550 as well if you want to do it that way. Or on the phone lines at 803-0550. And we're in day two now of the post-draft week. Really day three if you want to count Sunday. And now here's the transition, right? We went from... All in, wondering what they're going to do at the draft. Are they going to trade up? Are they going to trade down? What position are they going to go for? What are they going to do on day two? All that's behind us. And here comes the hope. And we got it. And I've got a bit of it. And now, because... Like, the Bills are interesting. The Bills are actually really interesting, I think, this offseason and into the next season. Because last year, I didn't think it was interesting at all. It was interesting to see if your quarterback was going to play and be good. But I never had one hint of doubt in my mind what they were going to be. I thought they were going to be, at best, a 5- or 6-win team. And at worst, they were going to be the worst team in football. They were not the worst team in football, but they were bad last season. And I think we, if you really looked at in the mirror and tried to put your Bills bias aside, you would have seen that too. And you probably did. That's what I did. And this year, it's very up in the air because it's year three, and the plan is in place. Like, it's pretty much done. Like, this is what they're going forward with. Edmonds is the linebacker. Allen is the quarterback. Probably should have put Allen first there. Um, Offensive line. Ed Oliver, the secondary, like their plan is in place. Like if they want to be good, this is how they're going to do it with this roster this year. And just trying to gauge like what, where's your confidence level at? That's what my Twitter poll is about at Sneaky Joe WGR on Twitter. What's your confidence level? Put in a percentage um, that the Bills are going to be a playoff team in 2019 because that's got to be the bar at this point. You are. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, you're looking at yourselves and you're thinking, okay, we're in year three. Yes, we made the playoffs year one. Maybe that buys us an extra year if we don't make it this season. But 
Like, this is go time. And I think they've set themselves up pretty nicely. Like, there is reason to be hopeful that they'll be a playoff team. There is reason to think that they're at worst going to be in a playoff race. But to me, I don't know. I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm not all the way there. I'm at 45% to make the playoffs if I had to put a number on it and how confident I am that they will do that. Um, looking at the Twitter poll right now, it's about it's a pretty even split. 40%, 50 to 75% confident. Uh, 35% of you are between 25 and 50% confident the Bills will make the playoffs. And then it's about even 12% each. Um, for those of you that are either 75 to 100% certain, you're really drinking the Kool-Aid there, or you're a hater and <laughs> 11% are between 0 and 25 confident in the Bills this year. I'm at 45. I think there is a lot of reason to think that they'll do it, but I, I have my hesitations. And you look at their roster. Look up and down at their roster. How many guys on the Bills roster right now can you really look at and say, all right, this guy, this guy's great. This is a great player right here. We know that this is a great player right here. I count six guys. I'm not kidding you. I count six guys that today you know for a fact they're going to be great for you in 2019. Jerry Hughes, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Trey White, Lorenzo Alexander, and Mitch Morse. That's as far as I got. John Brown is kind of a sure thing. Cole Beasley is a sure thing in terms of what they are as players, but they their success is really going to be driven on, you know, how good Josh Allen is. And Josh Allen, as much as he did in year one, running the football and being better than I think a lot of people thought as a passer, you don't know that he's going to be great. You're hopeful, and if he takes the necessary step this season, he will be. But you don't know for a fact coming into next year he's going to be a great quarterback. And I don't see much of that around the roster. I see a lot of hope. I see a lot of reason to be hopeful for specific, for certain guys at Oliver. Um what you have at tight end, you have you can be hopeful that maybe Tyler Croft will grow an expanded role. Maybe Dawson Knox, you know, wasn't being properly used at Ole Miss. You're hopeful Deion Dawkins takes another step up after kind of a down second year. Cody Ford, you hope. Right? At Oliver, you hope. Matt Milano, you hope comes back and is the same after a torn ACL. Tremaine Edmonds, you hope. It's all hope all over. Now, there's reason for that, and I think it's good reason. Of all those players I just mentioned, some of them are going to be great. The Bills are not going to only have six players that are great. I just think you've only got six guys right now that you pretty much know that they will be. But they signed 17 free agents. They drafted eight guys. It's 25 new players on your roster. I'm trying to think of a number there. Like, how many of those guys would have to be great for you to say, hey, this is definitely a playoff team? I'm thinking about half. So you got 25 players on your roster roster that are going to be new. Draft picks and free agents, assuming, and they're not all going to make the team, but just for they're here for training camp. How many of those guys need to be really, really good players? And I'm thinking about half. If you can give me 12, 13 new guys that are difference makers, I think I'm a playoff team. Because there was that much changeover. 
and there was a there was that many starting spots last year that were occupied by fill in guys or band aids to get me through to when the Bills really wanted to be good. Kelvin Benjamin was never going to be this team's number one wide receiver when they were good or a playoff team. Even the year they made the playoffs, look at the, if you look at the numbers, he really wasn't their number one wide receiver. He really wasn't. And it's not just the roster, which is why I have them at 45%, about a coin flip to make it, which I think is optimistic. I'm sure a lot of you are more optimistic than that, but I think I'm pretty optimistic being at 45%, because this is a good conference. But really, a lot of it, too, is I'm looking at their schedule. That's what has me most excited about this year and where the Bills could be. I love, love their schedule. Last year, one way I looked at it was, hey, they're not going to be good. Don't even look at the roster. Look at who you play. Look at the quarterbacks you play. And last year, it was a brutal start to the season. They played six or seven top half of the league quarterbacks in the first two months. And this year, that's completely different. That's completely different. There are about eight or nine, maybe even ten, top 15, 16 quarterbacks in the league. Like, top half of the league quarterbacks, there's like ten of them you don't play this year. You don't play Mahomes. You don't play Rodgers, or Russell Wilson, or Andrew Luck, or Cam Newton, or Deshaun Watson, or Drew Brees, should have mentioned him earlier, Phillip Rivers, Jared Goff. Like, you don't play any of those dudes. And I'm running down their schedule looking at it like, who am I supposed to be intimidated by on the Bills' schedule? It's a lot of young guys. And odds are, one or two of those young guys you play will end up being franchise quarterbacks. Because you play enough of them this year. But Darnold, am I intimidated right now? No. Whoever the Giants have, Eli or Daniel Jones, absolutely not. Andy Dalton, absolutely not. Tom Brady, yes. There's one. Mariota, no. Josh Rosen slash Ryan Fitzpatrick, no. Still sitting on one. I'm like halfway through the season almost. Carson Wentz, yeah, okay. He's a top 10 quarterback in the league. Like, he can throw all over me. All right. I'm intimidated by that matchup. That's one of your tougher matchups of the year. It's Carson Wentz. Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum, no. Baker Mayfield, yes, absolutely. So I'm at three games. Rosen and Fitz again, nope. Flacco, nope. Prescott, he really is just new Alex Smith, if you boil it down. No. Lamar Jackson, not yet. Roethlisberger, eh, yeah, okay, Roethlisberger, yeah. Brady, yes. And then Darnold again, not yet. Five games in 16. Five games. I think you're walking into that game thinking, "This, this quarterback can beat me by himself today. That's it. Five quarterbacks that I think the Bills should like really be thinking to themselves, all right, we need Allen to kind of to match that guy today, or we might not have a chance. Because otherwise, you're looking at it, and with Sean McDermott being a defensive mind, if he really is a defensive guru and they're going to keep this defense being top five in the league, they should do it this year. They should. The schedule is not daunting, especially when looking at it from an offensive point of view. You don't play Mahomes, you don't play Rodgers, no Wilson, Luck, Newton, Watson, Breeze, Rivers, Goff. None of them. 
So to me, that 45% to me is as much about who the Bills play this year and it being one of the easier schedules in the league as it does with their roster. Because I think it's easier to pick apart their roster than it is to pick apart their schedule. There's veteran players on this team. There's young guys on this team. They don't have a lot of in-between. Like, who on the Bills is in like right in the middle of their prime right now? So even though I think it's time for them to be good and it's time for them to win, a lot of your really important players are, are super young. Allen and Edmonds are year two. Foster is year two. Oliver is year one. And then on the other half, like you've got veteran guys that are on the back nine. Back nine, they're on the final hole. McCoy and Lorenzo and I'm definitely missing somebody. Jerry Hughes. Although you never know with Jerry Hughes. I keep thinking he's only got a couple years left. But then again, pass rushers could, like they do tend to last a lot longer than other positions. James Harrison was running around until he was 40. Terrell Suggs is still going. I think he's in Arizona now. So, Dwight Freeney played forever. So, maybe Hughes could last, but those guys were like elite, elite pass rushers. I'm not sure Hughes has ever been that. So, we'll we'll see how much longer he has to go. But you wouldn't expect him to have too, too much longer. At least the level he's playing now. But that's all I got. I, like, six guys. And that's really where I take a step back and think and, and from, hey, they're going to be 10-11 wins. Like, this should be a playoff team. And I should be better than the Jets, even. I should be the second best team in the division. It's hard for me to get there full on when it's hard for me to count more than six players on this roster that I that you're damn sure is going to be good for you next year. It's tough. 803050 is the phone number. We're going to get to Nate Geary in about 10 minutes. NHL playoffs going on right now, and the Bruins just hit the goalposts. They've been all over the Blue Jackets early on here. And the playoffs, you know... The, NHL playoffs have been weird, to say the least. Like, the Caps are out. The Penguins are out. Like, the, the, the normal teams that have been around the block are gone. And it's like it's the new guys. Here's Nathan McKinnon putting on a show. Here's the Hurricanes running over the Islanders early on. The Islanders, by the way, who you haven't seen here in a, in a long time. Matt Barzell... Like, there are new stars kind of out there in the playoffs right now. And to me, like, I I don't know. I enjoy that. I know not everybody does, and it probably hurts their ratings that the stars of the league are not playing. Like, there's no Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Jonathan Quick, Crosby, Ovechkin, Malkin. Like, none of those guys are playing. But really, there's no McDavid Eichel either. But, like, there, there is a new wave of, like, young stars that I think are getting some shine right now. And I do. I, that's a reason I'm liking these playoffs, even though they've been very weird. But you got to go back. A little off topic on the playoffs here, but you got to go back. I think six, seven years before you get to a team that's alive in terms of winning Stanley Cups. Like, who is the last team to win a cup that's currently in the playoffs? The Bruins, 2011. And then, other than that, it's Carolina in 06. So, you've got it. You're probably going... I'm hoping Boston doesn't win. Um, and if they don't, you're going to have a team winning a cup 
that has not won one in a long time, if ever. And that's another thing that I like about these playoffs. St. Louis has never won it. Has anyone thought about O'Reilly raising the Stanley Cup yet, by the way? That could happen. It could happen. They're one of the odds-on favorites to win. And he could very well win the Conn Smythe if they do win it. That'll be some sort of pill to swallow, I think, for a lot of us. Not for me, because I never wanted him traded in the first place. But still bitter in terms of him not being here. It sucks. And he is on fire. If you haven't watched a lot about the Blues, uh, if you haven't watched a lot of the Blues games yet this, this playoffs, him and Tarasenko and Schwartz as a line is pretty dominant. Almost no matter who they play. 803-0550 is the phone number. Um, we'll take a timeout here. I want to talk some NBA playoffs when we come back with Nate, um, but also a lot on the Bills and my Twitter poll question, which I'll update one more time here before the break. Um, how confident are you that the Bills will be a playoff team in 2019? 75 to 100% confident, 13%. 50 to 75% confident, 41%. That's the leader. 25 to 50% confident, 35 percent and then zero to 25 percent confident 11 percent so most people are pretty much in the middle i did not give you 50 50 as an option that's taking the easy way out i'm not giving 50 50 as an option you got to pick higher or lower than 50 percent i want to talk some game of thrones later too we didn't do a lot of that last night we only touched on it for a second so i want to talk some game of thrones later spoiler alert i will give spoiler alerts if you haven't uh if you haven't talked about it, or if you haven't watched it yet. Although, I think that's fair game. i got to be honest. TV shows are fair game. Movies different. When LaShawn McCoy spoiled Avengers, that was a, that was a jerk move. Like, that was... Ugh. There were, there were people that have been waiting a decade. Not waiting a decade. But watching 30 Marvel movies over the course of a decade, all building up to this movie. And to spoil it for people was such, such a crap thing to do. But it's not that for Game of Thrones, I don't think, because of, like, Avengers, like, a movie, everyone's seeing it at different times. You can't really count on, and that was, like, 12 hours after the fact. You can't count on everyone seeing it within even a couple days because people see it at different times. Whereas a TV show, like, that's live. I know you can watch it back on demand or whatever on the, uh, on the apps, I'm sure, for HBO, but... Most people that watch that episode were watching it together. So I think that's fair game. Still give spoiler alerts out, but I think that's fair game. 803 is the phone number. We'll take a couple calls, and we'll get to Nate when we come back here on the Nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. All right. We finally have something on Coach Watch. Nate Geary is on the line on the Wester Hotline here on WGR. Nate, have you seen this yet, or is this about to be news to you, too? Nope. Hashtag breaking news to me right now. I mean, it's just speculation and reporting. It's not like they hired a guy. But according to Elliot Friedman, let's make sure here. According to Elliot Friedman, the Sabres have interviewed Dave Tippett for the head coach job, and it went very well. Jacques Martin is in the mix. Ricard Gronberg also expected to be in the mix. Uh, left the door open for a coaching change in Toronto should Sabres or another team want to talk with Sheldon Keefe. So that's from Elliot Friedman. So we have a couple of nominees. Anything strike you there is interesting? What was the final, what was the report on Sheldon Keefe that, that what would they do, Toronto? That 
he left the door open for a coaching change in Toronto should the Sabres or another team want to talk with their AHL coach, Sheldon Keefe. GM Kyle Dubas said to be a huge supporter of Keefe and reportedly has some differences with Mike Babcock. So essentially, I think that means that if someone else, if the Sabres want Sheldon Keefe, that Dubas is going to be willing in Toronto to fire Babcock maybe so that he can keep Keefe. Also, it seems like maybe Dubas like reveals his hand, but right. if the Sabres want Mike Babcock, then they just <laughs> immediately try to show interest in Keefe so that they fire him? Uh, that could be the way... That, hey, that would be a good way to work it out. I don't know if you would... It'd be weird. Babcock used you as bait, basically, or not bait, but they they used you as leverage to get a higher deal from Toronto. And I wonder would how like the Blues would feel about that. You trade a second round pick for Mike Babcock, right? Would yeah. you do that? No, you, you, I don't would, think. No, I don't think so. No, yeah, I don't think I would either. I, he, I wouldn't really. I I don't really have a, an opinion on trading for a coach, but. Right. I've thought about it before. I, Boudreaux's name was actually out there for that idea earlier in the offseason. I don't think Mike Babcock has won a first-round series in a decade. He has yeah, not. Well, is, it, is it almost like he hasn't won a series? I, I think this is maybe stretching a little bit. 2013. But close to having one, yeah, like one salary cap era <laughs> win, playoff, first-round playoff win. Yes. Yeah, he, he, won, he won two series in 2013. And that's basically it. All right, there's a little bit on uh, on Coach Watch for you here on WGR, and that is brought to you by Straight Up Wines and Liquors. Go straight up Elmwood to Washington and Kenmore for saving selection and service. All right, Nate, I wanted to get you on to talk Bills and a little bit of NBA too, so we'll get to that. Um, my kind of thought process today on the show so far has kind of been on confidence level that the Bills are going to make the playoffs. Mm. I put my percentage level in their in my confidence for them to make the postseason at 45%. Like I said, I'm hopeful. Hmm. I'm hopeful that they're going to do it, but I'm not all the way there yet. Like where would you be on uh, on that idea? Uh 60%. 60. I'm I'm I'm, I'm at 60%. Okay. Is there is there is it you, for you something they've done this off season or is it based on Allen? Like where what do you what's your th- thought process there? <sighs> So 60% is mostly because of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott because I think the most impressive thing for me about Bean and maybe more importantly McDermott because this has been sort of a, a unfortunate discovery because Bean hasn't necessarily given McDermott the, the necessary tools to put a winner on the field. But the idea that you know McDermott has really gotten a lot out of what was I think, I mean, Stephen A. Smith in the first two weeks of the season, ESPN was saying that they were worse than the, you know, the winless Detroit Lions were. And, I mean, that's, that's some pretty harsh criticism for a team two weeks into the season, but that was the narrative, right? So, right. like, now you, you, look, you look back at that season and they end up with six wins. You're saying, how in God's name did that team end up with six wins, knowing that there was multiple quarterback changes? Derek Anderson started football games for you, meaningful football games for you, and LaShawn McCoy has one of his worst seasons of his, of his NFL career that he didn't have a, a major injury in, and you're wondering how this guy bled six wins out of that roster, and I, and I think it really lends well to what they'll have if they just have a moderately good to, uh, you know, to, to medium or, or, or just in the middle of the pack kind of roster, 
I mean, but I mean that's kind of what they have right now, right? I mean, so we're, we're going to get yeah. an opportunity to see, you know, what a middle of the pack roster, what how much, you know, how many wins you can bleed out of that. I mean, if you can bleed one of the worst rosters in in the NFL in maybe a decade, then. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm looking up for that. The the reason I'm more hopeful is almost not even because of their roster. It's because of their schedule. Like, last year was brutal. Yeah, it the is quor- a great schedule. The quarterbacks you played, just looking at it from a quarterback perspective, the quarterbacks you played at the beginning of last year was brutal. This year, like, you play Mayfield, Brady twice, Roethlisberger, and who else am I supposed to be afraid of? You don't play Mahomes. You don't play Rodgers. You don't play Wilson. You're supposed Luck. to be afraid of Sam Darnold, but... Well, maybe. I mean, to me, the the odds are you play enough young quarterbacks this season, one or two are going to bound to be really good. You play Haskins. They play Haskins, Rosen probably twice. um, Darnold twice. Jackson. I mean, how many first and second year quarterbacks are they going to end up facing this year? I mean, probably a pretty good amount of them. Yeah, they play Darnold twice. They play the Giants. The Giants. Maybe Daniel Jones. Yeah, you think he's in that quick? I don't know. Who, who knows with, with Gettleman? Yeah, I was going to say with Gettleman, I think they're going to give Eli as much rope as possible. I mean, he's already had as much rope as he, seemingly possible, but I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, you play Lamar Lamar there. Jackson, Mayfield. Yep. Um, Fitzy and or yeah. Rosen is like, a, you know, uh, just based on what you saw last year from Rosen, I mean, you, you'd think that he's got a bigger upside than what you saw from him, but who knows? Like, yeah. That, you know, they don't really have a ton of weapons. I mean, they've got Kenny Stills, who Ryan Tannehill and Brock Osweiler. I mean, so maybe they've got some weapons, but, you know, do, not do great they weapons. have? Uh, right, right. And it's not like they went out and, and bolstered any of the position players in the draft either. They really drafted for the, the offensive and defensive line. I can't really blame them. I mean, that's where they had holes. So so my biggest holdup right now from putting the Bills above 50% to make the playoffs in my mind isn't it, – it's, it's about the roster. And there is – Good reason, in my mind, to be hopeful about the roster, but tell me if you think I'm wrong here. I look at their roster, and who do I know for a fact is going to be a really good player for me next year? I only came up with six names. Like I, You don't even have to think about whether they're going to be good for you or not. I came up with Trey White, Jerry Hughes, both safeties, Hyde and Poyer, Mitch Morse, and I Lynn Lorenzo Alexander. Like, who else am I missing there where, like, you don't have any worries about them not showing up for you? You said Jerry Hughes, right? Yeah, I did say Jerry Hughes. Okay. Um, like, that's it. There's re- like I said, there's reason to be hopeful on a ton of other guys. But to me, like, that's it. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, uh, other than that, I the only the only other player that I think I, I'm, I'm kind of in the Robert Foster camp. Like, I think yeah. he can be their, their wide receiver one. I'm pretty high in him, so would you pick like him to lead them? Be... Would, would you pick him to lead them in receptions next year? I really think Beasley, right? I just think like okay. what he does, yeah. That kind of that that safety. I wonder safety if Allen's going to use that that role though. I think I think that I think that if they can give him someone that and this was the point that we made um, during the draft, and I think we were talking to Sale about this is. You know, they've decided to go out and get wide receivers that create enough separation to give, you know, Allen that a li- that that little bit of plus or minus either up, down, left, or right for mm-hmm. him to miss a little inaccurately. But the guys are creating so much separation. So, you know, those are the guys that they went for. And I think like Robert Foster, he probably ends up with the most yards, but I don't know that he ends up with the most receptions. I, I, I think that – I think Cole Beats is going to be his best friend. Hmm. I, I think that's interesting to see, like, who will – 
where the targets will go. Because last year, and that actually transitions me to the next thing I want to talk to you about on the Bills, and then I want to get into some NBA. Like, I'm sitting here wondering how much they're going to want him to run next year. Like, he uh, ran a lot, obviously, in his rookie year, and he was effective, but that was basically out of necessity. He was running for his life back there. Now that, you, that he might not have to run, like, I'm wondering what he is going to look like as a runner and how much they're going to want him to do that. I think you'll see less designed runs, but I, I think one of the things that really made him um, a really effective runner was just because of the off-schedule stuff that he was doing. And I think they're going to continue moving the pocket for him and, and allowing him to cut the field in half, right, and, and make easier reads and where it's one or two guys opposed to reading an entire field. We're asking him, especially in, in five wide sets and empty sets, to, to read a full field and potentially five different reads. So, um, yeah, I mean, that simplifies things for him. But I think in terms of as a pure runner, I, I would think that in the red zone, I, mean, I think of it this way, how much early on in Cam Newton's career did he run? I think he ran a pretty good amount early, yeah. in, or early on in his career. Yep. And, and I suspect that Josh Allen is probably headed for that same trajectory early in his first few years, unless you start to see an injury or two pop up. And, and, and we'll see how he can protect himself. I, I would say in year one he showed some concerning signs that maybe – um, he doesn't have a super good understanding of when to get down and when to take a hit and when not to take a hit and when to run out of bounds and when to throw it away, things like that. So those are instinctual, so hopefully those things, I mean, he's a competitive guy, so he's one of those guys that likes to just put his head down and gain an extra three or four yards. And that's fine in the fourth quarter on third and one, but it's not fine, you know, in the second half of the third game, you know, on, on third and 15, where you're just trying to get close to the first down, you know, so it's, He's got to pick a spot, I think, for him to maintain his health, and that's obviously the most important thing about him is can he stay healthy for 16 games? Because if he can, I think this team, just like you mentioned, the schedule, just based on that, they, they can you can find 10 wins pretty easily on that schedule. If I made you pick one NBA series right now, like you had to pick just one to watch. Which one are you picking? It is definitely Philadelphia-Toronto. Really? I yeah. thought you were going to go with Celtics-Bucks there. Okay. Why? Why Philadelphia, no, Toronto? I, I you were wrong on the Sixers, the by the way. Game last, yeah, I, I watched the entire game yesterday, and I was really contemplating. Like, I'm, I, have a, I don't really have a rooting interest in the series. I really like Toronto. I like the way that they're built. But I also like, really like Philly because I really like Jimmy Butler. I did you call him, do wait, did you call him James Butler? James Butler. James uh, Butler. That was really – yeah, that's, that's <laughs> good stuff. Uh, they, you know, they're, they're a sneaky good team because, you know, right now with Embiid shaken up, for them, not only that, like, I, I think – Simmons ends up with six or eight points. Jimmy Butler has 30-11-5. I mean, he just went off. But the fact that they were, for most of that game, up between, you know, 7 and 15 for most of that game, with Embiid scoring 14, Simmons scoring 6, and, you know, J.J. Redick having a tough night shooting. Like, what they were able to do, I mean, they also had James Ennis coming off the bench just absolutely balling for them and, and keeping them alive. Same with J- Greg Monroe all of a sudden had just a huge night for them. I think he ended up with like 10 points, 7 boards. Yep. And I didn't even know he was on their team. Or something. He, he was a huge, huge goal. Well, Amir Johnson is hurt, so Amir Johnson wasn't playing for them. So they have him come off the bench, Greg Monroe, and I'm thinking, oh, man, like they're, they're in trouble because they don't want to play, uh, what's his name, uh, Bo- Boban. Oh, Bo- yeah, they, Boban? They yeah, because he's like literally he goes in for three minutes yesterday and gives up immediately gives up a three yep. to Marcus Gasol. It's just like he he can't get out to the perimeter 
the way he's, that Toronto he, has their their starting five. Yeah, up. he's 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 fun to watch because he's so big. He's not playing the rest of this playoffs because you got Gasol no. can stretch the floor, stretch the floor from the center position, and the both the Bucks, both the Bucks and, and Celtics have centers and shoot. Hopefully, Embiid <laughs> won't have the poops and can play thirty five minutes. You know, right. Um, man, I was so disappointed in that game one, Warriors and Rockets. Like it was a close game, it was a good game, but I just no don't I do not want that series to just become all about the refs. And that's exactly what it's going to become. Here's the thing. You know, Houston waged a war against the referees from like opening night. So the idea that, you know, the referees are sliding Houston on purpose, I mean uh, maybe. I, I mean, uh, well, I mean, the Warriors have had their run-ins too. Like, there, there was the Absolutely. clip near the end of the season. Steph Curry hits a shot after a bad call to tie the game, and he's literally pointing and laughing at the ref, celebrating as he runs by. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not like they haven't had the same thing. Exactly, and but you know, when you publicly a number of times this year, James Harden and Chris Paul have come out publicly and shamed referees, and like. You have to know that as a player. Like, that gets around to the other referees, and when they're roughing you, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And what, what's happening is it's not that they're necessarily missing awfully blatant calls. It's just that in the case of getting the benefit of the doubt, Houston's not getting it, and it's their own fault. I mean, James Harden, like, and they were showing a slow-motion play yesterday of, of a foul that he was trying to draw on a three-point play where he's jumping in the air and landing three or four inches up in front of where he jumped. So he's really falling into these fouls, these three-point shot fouls, and the league is catching on, the referees are catching on, and they're not calling it. And he's, you know, complaining about all this contact that he's generated himself by jumping into the opponent. But, you know, like at the end of the day, it's like uh, how much uh, can, can you really even want to as a person give James Harden based on how he's reacted to and And, you know, as a whole, the NBA has an issue because every single call – Every single, and I understand the, the stage and the stakes here, right? But like every single call is, oh my God, that's unbelievable. What a terrible call. And it's such an obvious foul, but the player just can't believe it. It's right. always complaining about fouls. And, and it just becomes this, this, you know, where everyone's like, we need re- instant replay. And it's like, no, you just need to not complain every right. single time. Right. Last one. Spoiler alerts. My thought is movies, you got to give at least two weeks afterwards. TV shows, fair game the next day. What do you think? Well, I, 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 don't really have a, I don't really have a course in the race, but I will say that it is incredibly annoying to have people constantly tweeting about Game of Thrones. Just mute the word Game of Thrones then. I have, and I still it shows up in my feed somehow. You got you to like, add, add the characters in. You gotta add the character just, names. You can't just mute Game of Thrones. Is, I, I get it. People are enthusiastic about it, and I'm Very. not the person that's here saying like. You no, you, no, you are going it, full on old man. Get off my lawn right now. A little bit, a little yeah. bit, but I'm, I'm new age. Get off my lawn. It's just like millennial you know, get off, off my, my lawn. page. Yeah, and get off my avocado the toast. Here's the thing. I I don't want people to push it on me, and that's what most people try okay. to do, is like, Nate, you're stupid for not watching a TV show, and it's like, yeah, I get that. okay, but, you know, like, it's just a TV show, and I get it's a phenomenon, and, you know, it, but it's, it, it, things like that in politics are so polarizing, it's like, I just don't really want to be a part of it. I got you. That's, that's fair. Alright, thanks, man. Alright, man, have a good night. There's Nate Geary on the Wester Hotline. You can follow him at NateGearyWGR. And like I said, if you missed it at the top there, uh, if you came in mid-conversation, there's some coach news on the Sabres. Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet, 
says the Sabres have interviewed Dave Tippett, former Coyotes and Stars coach, for the head coaching job, and it went very well. Jacques Martin in the mix. Ugh. Ricard Gronberg expected to be in the mix. Yay. Friedman adds, Bottrell's asking coaching candidates if they can work with Ristolainen and improve his game. That is noteworthy, too. We'll talk about that when we come back. And uh, the final, these are all from Howard, by the way. Howard must have been listening, and he uh, quote-tweeted him. He also, Howard Simon, if you didn't know. Howard's on a first-name basis, I assume, around here. Had to hang Nate up. And Sheldon Keefe, continuing on. Friedman says that he would leave the door open for a coaching change in Toronto should Sabres or another team want to talk with Sheldon Keefe. GM Kyle Dubas is said to be a huge supporter of Keefe and reportedly has some differences with Mike Babcock. All of that interesting. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi, 8030550 for your calls. We're going to do a lot of coach watch here now on WGR. First of all, he's a winner. He's been coaching on, on different levels and almost won everything he's been into. And he's a very good educator. He's good at developing uh, players. And all the National League players that we have on our men's national team always tells me that they love to play for him because he talks to the players, he discusses with the players, and he, he tries to develop them even though they are big stars in the National League. So he's a good developer. He's a winner and a good teacher. That is Tommy Boosted. If you don't know who that is, I don't blame you. Because he is part of the Swedish Hockey Federation. That's him talking about Ricard Gronberg, who is a Sabre coaching candidate, according to Elliot Friedman. It's been out there that the Sabres could be interested in him. Darren Dreger, I think, had that. Um, if you missed it before the break, one more time I'll read through it. Elliot Friedman with a bunch of stuff on the Sabres coach search. We, this is probably... In the last half hour that this came out, it's more on the coach search than we've had in weeks. Like, together. All together. So, at least it's something. Friedman says, Sabres have interviewed Dave Tippett for the job, and it went very well. Friedman says, Jacques Martin is in the mix. Ricard Gronberg also in the mix. Friedman also says, Bottrell is asking coach candidates if they can work with Ristolainen and improve his game. That is meaningful. In my mind. That is meaningful. That means Jason Bottrell wants Ristolainen on this team and that he might think that his struggles has been coaching-related, not player-related. And I don't completely disagree with that, I guess. I want him here next year, Ristolainen, unless I can get a like a great top-six player, but I'm not sure they can get that. They could, but if you're not getting that, do not do an O'Reilly trade with Ristolainen. So I like the sound of that, me personally. I'm sure there are a lot of fans that don't. Um... Friedman says, leave the door open for a coaching change in Toronto should the Sabres or another team, which would probably be the Senators or Ducks right now considering they're the only other two teams without a coach. Anyways, should the Sabres or one of them want to talk with Sheldon Keefe, the Marlies coach? GM Kyle Dubas is said to be a huge supporter of Keefe and reportedly has some differences with Mike Babcock. I, I, I can see that totally. Dubas wants to get the Sheldon Keefe as his head coach. He just might not be able to because of Babcock's reputation, what they gave up to get Babcock in terms of money and pursuit. And his just, that's a tough fire to make. 
especially when the guys made the playoffs three years in a row. I know standards are higher when you lose three straight playoffs uh, series in a row, but man, that would be something. If Babcock became available again, I don't know if I'd want the Sabres to do that. I think I would, but he spurned us, right? I don't need to do that, I guess is my point there. Um, although that would be the guy. Dave Tippett, I don't know, I don't really know why or how he slipped through all of our uh, our fingers here. On our, He slipped by our radar as like a recycled coach, uh, a retread. Because he is that, and he is certainly the top of the list. I guess he didn't spring into my mind because he hasn't coached since 27. No, it's only one year he took off. But he's in the Seattle organization already, like as an advisor. So I think everyone kind of assumed he was just going to be the Seattle coach when they showed up in 2020. And maybe this is a sign that that might not be the case and he's available. Tip it. I don't mind that. I like that idea more than McClellan. I gotta be honest. His resume isn't quite as good, but I mean, the dude took Arizona to the conference finals <sighs> with Mike Smith as their goal, like their best player. So I think there's a little bit there. I think he's a good coach. I think you could do worse than Dave Tippett. That's exactly my thought. The what I thought of McClellan. I think you could do worse than Todd McClellan. So Tippett is almost like McClellan reincarnated in this coach search to me. So I don't mind the idea of it. It's a lot better than Jacques Martin. A lot better than Jacques Martin. Do not make that higher. Like, you get a little bit of everything there. Emotionally. Me personally, for the Sabres coach search. It's Tippett. Okay. Then it's Martin. Jacques Martin. Oh, no, please no. Gronberg, love it. Like all three emotions in a row there, all different. Um, okay, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. We got news on the Sabres coach search. Something, something to chew on. So we'll do that. Um, and if you're, if you're still not too familiar with who Ricard Gronberg is, Tommy Boosted was a good guest from the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation with Howard and Jeremy. We just played a little bit of it for you coming in there. We'll play that whole interview uh, in the next hour as well as our interview of the date. So then I cap with Jody Biasi, 803 is the phone number here on WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.